Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Today, we are very excited to talk with Anne Hill, who is a writer and editor and also a publisher, which is super fun. <laughs> Anne owns 20 Hills Publishing and has done a bunch of anthologies in the last few years. Um, her most recent, Briars and Blood, is a collection of stories, kind of re- Beauty and the Beast retellings. Um, it just came out and yeah, her anthologies have had so many of my friends in them. So that makes me like, it's so extra special. Um, and, and I got to work with on one of her books, Thorn Tower. And as, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun just talking about her world and her story. And it's just a fabulous book and I can't wait for it to come out. So, and thank you for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> We always start our interviews in the same way, um, asking the question of what's your story with story? Um, basically, your first connections with stories, any books that are important to you, anything like that. Okay. Um, well, this is kind of a funny story. When I was in elementary school, we had to write some paper and we weren't allowed to ask how to spell any words. So I had a whole story in my head, but I couldn't spell any of them. So all I wrote was the letter I, and that's all I could get down. And they're like, no, we won't tell you how to spell them. And I was like, well, which is just a funny family story. Like, yeah, the first thing you wrote was just one letter. <laughs> um, I love that. That was, that was like very, I was like, I want to go to write this, but I can't spell any of these words. Cause I'm like five. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I actually did not really like reading until, well, I guess it was still pretty young, but until I was like eight. Um, and I started reading, um, it was one of American Girls, uh, Kit Kittredge. They had those books. I think everything I read up until that point was just rather boring. But this <laughs> had like a scene of her like walking across like a train track bridge. And it was like, like, oh no, is she going to make it? And like, actually, <laughs> attention. And then I was like, oh, I love reading. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that was the start of, yeah, how I got into, I like started reading first and then I actually did start writing immediately after. Um, not well, but you know, I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> you all go start somewhere. I love that so much. As someone who um, is horrible at spelling, I very much relate to that early story. And I also feel like it wasn't until I found books that were really interesting to me that I really started loving reading. Like at first it was kind of a struggle. I'm dyslexic too. So that was like not great at first. Um, So I loved having stories read to, to me, but like it took me a while to kind of find books that got me excited enough to work through them. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's so important. I love that story because it's so important to, to realize that with kids too. Like sometimes we, we want our kids to, to read and we don't give them material that they're actually interested in. Yeah. And it makes such a difference when you can find those things that they, that they like. Yeah. Or they're just too dumbed down that like, yeah. nothing's actually happening. Like yeah. this is really boring. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so when did you start writing seriously or kind of pursuing writing um more in high school I finished my first draft in high school it was for like my junior project I was like well I already have a book that's almost done so instead of doing extra work can I just finish my book and put 
Sure. Oh. Sounds great. And everyone's like, how did you write this book so fast? So I was like, well, I did it. I just wrote the ending. <laughs> it was a terrible draft, but but I'm actually going to most likely be rewriting that whole story. It's connected to the series I'm working on now, but I don't know what from that is going to stay the same. There's not going to be any scenes that are going to be the same. <laughs> like what world building can I pull from this? I, I love that. Well, and the date. It's something that you had done then, and that was kind of part of the stuff that you're working on now. But e- even some, yeah. sometimes just being able to take what you already have and use it in different ways. Like, <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> well, and Anne, one of the things that I loved about your book was how just how full your world was like you had this very good sense of the world and the characters in it the types of creatures and things in it and um the magic system all of that and it felt so well developed like even just the fact that you have multiple plans for multiple series that are in this same world and short stories that are in the same world and all of that um would you tell us a little bit about just kind of your approach to world building and how you went about figuring all that out well, I'm glad it feels that way. It, to me, it feels like it's barely been like built at all. <laughs> um, but most of my world building actually comes from my brother because he loves he loves character building and world building, but he doesn't write. And I always try to get him to write. Um, so most of it comes from I come up with something and I tell him mm-hmm. my idea. And he's like, that doesn't work at all. And here's why. <laughs> makes it better um so there's actually a lot of stuff in my book now that came from like we were driving to indiana and it was like a nine hour drive just hashing out all these random details he like knows nothing about my book but (laughs) this could work this could work i was like great um so but actually world building is one of my least favorite things to do oh i'm surprised (laughs) i love characters Mm -hmm. and then making a world kind of the based around the characters um yeah yeah that's definitely another strength I see in your writing like those characters and the (laughs) the dialogue between the characters and kind of their their um how you portray each of them so differently and so uniquely in their backstories and all of that (laughs) I love though that you mentioned your brother because I think so often as writers we think we have to like come up with everything on our own Mm. we think we have to be that like lone writer in the tower like struggling over this creative process and it's so good to recognize like no you can tap those resources around you and those people for ideas and inspiration and to bounce things off of yeah yeah I think I learned that young with him I had this whole like it was this weird fairy tale book I was going to do which was funny because I always forget when I'm doing because I do a lot of fairy tale stuff now but I'm always like I don't do that and then I'm like wait I was like 12 and I was trying to do that (laughs) but I remember I showed him like this whole like plot line I had for so many books and like all these names and like creature names and then he was like oh this is not good (laughs) oh okay (laughs) but then he told me how to make it better so yeah (laughs) at least it was constructive right yeah which is helpful for taking edits too like oh no I'm used to that I'm not expecting it to be good yet (laughs) well and do you have any advice then for character development and like as you approach that um yeah anything that you've learned from that or that you think could help others or that benefit others I think a key is trying to just make each of them different from each other, mm-hmm. even if it's small, small ways. Um, 
that's so great. Like remembering that contrast, you know, like yes. is so important and it kind of does highlight the character itself when you can contrast them with something else. Um, do you do like questionnaires or character interviews or anything like that? Or you just kind of jump into writing and then see what develops? It's been different for different books. So in the past I have, but honestly, I usually have, I just start <laughs> and then they just kind of walk into the page and like, here I am. And then as we go, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that doesn't work actually, or that does, <laughs> or they create new characters. And I'm like, oh, I have to deal with you now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've always been more of like uh, of a panster, but I'm starting to plot more which has been helpful so doing like a little bit of both but my characters usually I don't plan a whole lot I'll usually have like an idea of a character and then a story follows them so but I think the the key for the one you're actually like writing though is like finding especially if you have multiple POVs which is something I'm still working on in my draft <laughs> is making them all unique um even like small ways of like oh like who has more internal thoughts who has more like external mm. thoughts or like mm. They always use this weird word and they don't type of stuff. Um, yes. But like, yeah, as many ways as you can separate them as possible. <laughs> Do you want to talk at all about the Red X group from Thorn Tower <laughs> and, and your two main characters, right? It's Boyer and Waldron, is that correct? Yeah, for assassins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and can I just say, like, I love, at one of your posts, you mentioned that you love throwing in magic, murder, and mayhem. And I'm like, that is the greatest, like, that, that, that is all you need to say, like, magic, murder, and mayhem. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that's great. My housemate and I are always like, oh, we need some tagline. Like, I'm like, what if things are always, no matter what I write, like, those things, even if it's, like, high fantasy or, like, like contemporary fantasy, those things are always there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We're here for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Red X, they're from Thorn Tower, which is the novel I'm working on right now. They are, it's like a, a group of criminals slash like rogues for hire. Um, they started out as just assassins, but then I did more research and they could be just assassins, but that wasn't as common because there's only so many people that need killed in a year. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the skills that you need for that are similar to like stealing or espionage type stuff. So they kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, but Boyer and Waldron, Boyer's main thing has always been like assassinations. Wally's was, um, sorry, Wally's Waldron's nickname. Um, <laughs> I love it. His was uh, stealing. And then, but he always like looked up to Boyer from a distance, even though Boyer had no idea who he was. He was like, I want to be as famous as him someday. <laughs> um, and now they work together. Um, so yeah, and there's, there, forget, I was just trying to figure this out today if there's seven or eight in their group, because I think I've said it differently different times, so I need to double check that, but um, it was supposed to be 10 originally, that's where like the X comes from, so that means 10, but they've lost a few along the way. Um, <laughs> so, Do you want to yeah. share with us the synopsis from Thorn Tower for those sure. listening so they get yeah. an idea of what the story is? Right. Okay. So this is still a working blurb, so they might, I mean, it will change. But anyway, <laughs> uh, for now, it's um, in the aftermath of war, the land between humans and elves bleeds with mistrust. 
Two assassins, Boyer and his half-elf partner, Waldron, are coerced into a mysterious mission. Against their better judgment, they accept an order to save a life rather than take one. But the more they learn about their quest, the less they're willing to play by the rules. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kor, a warrior elf, receives a threatening letter from a stranger. She must stealthily retrieve three items from the Whimsical Guardian of the Forest, or her sister will die. But everyone has their own agenda, and Kor no longer knows who she can trust. With only a month to complete their missions, both groups must overcome obstacles, face their own guilt, and race against time if they wish to see the dawn of a new day. The end. Yay. <laughs> I hadn't gotten to hear that yet. So yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I actually, so because originally Core was the main character, and I had someone trying to help me edit this blurb after I made Boyer and Walter the main characters, and they're like, well, maybe you should talk about Core first, because she's the main character. I was like, funny not anymore <laughs> yeah and <laughs> Waldron weren't even in the book in like the first draft and now they're the main characters <laughs> that brings that. up something I wanted to talk to, about too with um I feel like you are one of the most open door writers that I know in terms of like um you share your work really early and you're really good at listening to people and hearing that kind of feedback and then adjusting for it and listening to yourself too. Like even when we were working together, um, well, after we worked together the first time you reached out afterwards and we're like, I think I need to change this whole thing <laughs> and like make, bring out Boyer Boy and Waldron more and all of that. Um, and I love that you weren't afraid to do that. You know, I think as authors, sometimes we get kind of stuck in our groove or a rut or it's like this is the story is this way and we kind of can't right. see beyond that um to what might make the story even stronger and, and I'm curious like has that just always been how you approach writing or have has there been a process to developing that or becoming a, maybe a little less precious with your work or um more willing to take in that feedback or yeah I think honestly the start would have been like how I talk about my brother <laughs> kind yeah. of like just doing yeah, taking it all kind of with a grain of salt because I always knew if I showed him there was going to be something wrong anyway and I'd probably have to start over. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how our family too has just been with more things than just writing just all of life. Like, yeah, you can plan it, but that's probably going to change. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I guess, and then also, I mean, doing a lot of like the masterclass videos have helped too. And also, yeah, just holding like the, the end product is more valuable than like where you want to be right now yeah. um, and yeah. kind of you have to kind of like take yourself out of it <laughs> this is not about me it's about the characters <laughs> yeah and the readers and the characters but yeah but I think it also helps too that I'm very a very uh character driven of how I write at least so I'm like mm -hmm. well the characters decided it wasn't my choice they just yeah. <laughs> like oh nope Waldron killed someone else again I guess you have to deal with it <laughs> <laughs> I love that. yeah it's fun I love that. you um share your document kind of as you're writing in with people how did you find that that group or did you just start asking people um you like my beta readers or yeah you I mean you have it seemed like a pretty um, active group of beta readers who would leave yeah. comments and give you feedback, but even pretty early in the process um, yeah. compared to other writers I work with. And I'm just curious, like how you developed that system. Right. Actually, a lot of those people I met from doing our anthologies. Yeah. Um, we never intended on like meeting so many people. We're like, we'll just put some fun books out there. And now 
a whole network. I'm like, hey, remember I published for you. Do you want to give feedback on my book? <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of them are different people I've met from, from that. And there are a few. So this series is very inspired by an author called uh, Michael J. Sullivan, who has a whole, they're like thieves. I can never say the series name right, so I'm not even going to try. You just look his name up. It's the person that shows up. Um, but we have a, a group on Instagram. It's just like five of us. That's like, we love his books. So a lot of them have also beta read, which is helpful folks. I'm like, you know what I'm aiming for. Yes. So let's not make it too close, but let's also make sure it's similar. <laughs> so that's been helpful too. I, I love that. On the anthologies, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. And <laughs> since we're mentioning the anthologies do you want to talk about briars and blood that um just recently came out and it's uh novellas right inspired by beauty and the beast and the one that you um wrote is the ward and the wolfman is that correct mm -hmm. yeah um so the ward and the wolfman is actually set in the same world as thorn tower but just many years later so like thorn tower is kind of equivalent to our like medieval times and the Warden of Man is like 1800s. Um, wow. It's going to be a whole other series called, uh, it's going to be Brimwood something. I don't know what the whole series name is going to be yet. But mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's actually the series that I have been working on the longest. But I kind of put it on hold because I wanted to get better at writing before I tackled mm -hmm. that one because it's a pretty big one. Um, so that's why I'm doing Thorn Tower now instead. But anyway, Briars and Blood. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's mine. And then we have um, three other, mine's the shortest actually. Um, and then we have one, we have uh, L.A. Thornhill, uh, Julia Skinner, and Tasha, I can never say her last name right, John or something. <laughs> um, but yes, they're all Beauty and the Beast inspired some are closer to like actual retellings others just have more like subtle hints at which I actually prefer I don't love full-on retellings because it's yeah. just not as unique so yeah and they're gonna do it, it kind of supposed to supposed to correlate to my series that I'm working on now the Thorn Tower ones because each of those the first one has like subtle Beauty and the Beast it was more at the beginning but now it's like kind of just like little easter eggs um <laughs> and then the next one's gonna be snow white and the last one's little red riding hood so to pair with that we're gonna have novella collections for each of those fairy tales as well that's cool how did you start 20 hills like would you just talk to us a little bit about like how you decided to start this small press and also like why anthologies and what kind of got you going with that yeah, so I never actually planned on opening a publishing company. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you guys know what Realm Makers is? No? Okay. It's um, it's a group for uh, Christian speculative writers. Okay. Um, and they have a conference that they do every year. And then they have like online resources and stuff. Um, cool. But two years ago, I think we went for the first time. Um, and that was, they have like classes and but that was very helpful too. But the main thing that was helpful is you can pay to have uh, to talk with an editor one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. And so I, I met with one and I, I always kind of planned on self-publishing. Like I wasn't even going to try doing traditional. So like, no, I want 
control over my story. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I was talking to him and he said, like, I was like, yeah, if I self-publish, like, I'm going to put all, like, the money and the time into it and, like, make it as good as I possibly can. And he just said one little thing where it was, he's like, usually I don't, like, encourage people to self-publish, but I think you could do it. And I was like, well, mm. that's all I needed. <laughs> um, and then we were like, well, a few months later then, we're like, well, let's, I wanted to just try publishing before I did my own book. Mm. Like, but I don't have like anything else I can publish I'm like well let's do an anthology then because then we don't have to write all of it we just publish it yeah um, so that's when we did what darkness fears we did it in two months start to finish do not recommend that how I didn't wow. realize it was that fast <laughs> yes and it's still our best selling one <laughs> so but we like had the idea because we wanted to have it out in time for Halloween because it's like lighter horror type stuff but yeah. well, we could either do it this Halloween or we could wait a whole year. And I was like, I don't want to wait a whole year. <laughs> so we had the idea and like, we just asked certain people that I kind of knew that I was like, oh, you might be interested in writing this. And then that one was a little bit more word of mouth. And then the further we got, we kind of, I think we did open submissions, like wide submissions briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but we did that all, had the idea and published within two months. I learned so much about publishing um it was like a crash course I would not recommend that but this magically worked (laughs) um and then we just we had other ideas and we were gonna do a valentine's one but like that's too soon we just did one so that's the one we actually just did this year we pushed that off and then we did fool's honor for april fools and then so on and so forth I think that's such a great, like, sometimes in order to learn something, we just have to try it. And so I I love that you were just like, yeah, I want to figure this out before I publish my own books. And that you were like, I think it's a great idea to work with other people on it too. Like, you don't have to do all the work yourself and you can um, invite other people into that with you. Did you, um, like, how do you go about with submissions? Like, I, I know with the more recent ones, you've just done open call submissions yeah. from what I understand. Do you, how do you pick which ones make it and how do you kind of um, go through that process? Yeah. So we have, each one's been a little bit different, but generally mm-hmm. we started doing them like anonymously as best as we could too, because I was yeah. finding there's like friends. I was like, Oh, I really want them to be in, but it, this wasn't a good story, but I want them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then that would be like make editing extra harder and so like, all right, let's just not know who these people are, which kind of works, but then some of the authors you work with so much you're like, I know who you this can tell is. their voice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but generally we have um I have like three folders for the first few books. We actually printed out every single submission and like read them. And then I was like, this is taking up way too much paper. <laughs> yeah. Um so now we do it like um, digitally but we have three different folders there's a yes no and maybe folder and we'll mm-hmm. one of us or both of us will just like read through and just first instinct and some of them we don't even finish we'll read like first two paragraphs and like no yeah. or oh I love that put it in maybe and read it later <laughs> um and then when we have more time we'll sit down and both of us will read through um both so the both of us the other one's my housemate she's that's Laura so that's how we do those. Um, we actually at the moment have an intern now who is doing the first read through for all mm-hmm. of them and doing that initial separation. And she's taking like all the names off of them for us. So 
it's actually anonymous this time entirely because <laughs> before I had to take them off and then like try to forget what titles sure. or which happened to work it's, it's hard to remember all of them but there's a few that I was like oh I did that one <laughs> but yeah so that and then there's a few like our never tales which is Peter Pan that one and our uh tales of many which is the kids collection those we did by like invite only because they're smaller projects um so we just asked certain people um which on one hand can go easier because i know like usually the stuff we get in is going to be good Uh, um but that's a little bit harder so like oh but if they do send in something that we don't like (laughs) but so it's a little bit like you're being invited but we'll have to read it first How, roughly how many submissions do you usually get for these now? That's a good question. I would say we usually end up rejecting about half. So maybe 80 or so, depending. Wow. On, wow. Yeah. And that's a lot of authors do a few too, but there's okay. a lot. <laughs> that's that's yeah. great. So people are like, if you're not getting in, it's because there was like oh, 80 submissions. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to take from, but. And what is the editing process like on that? I do you do a lot of back and forth? Do you just make recommendations and have them change it? And how, how does that go? So the editing is the hardest part of the anthologies yeah. uh, and takes the most time. It is a lot of back and forth. <laughs> yeah. um, we do a lot of rounds of editing. Um, we usually try to start with beta readers looking at it first, so that by the time I get to it, hopefully all the really easy stuff's taken care of um but we usually try to do at least three rounds so developmental line Mm -hmm. and then copy editing and sometimes for each book it depends sometimes I'm doing all of those stages um Mm -hmm. and then or sometimes so like uh the never tales I'm doing with Hannah Carter she'll usually do like one of one or two of those stages um but I really like reading like towards the beginning and then the end to make sure that it came around nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so yeah, and then there's always usually some random authors in the books that I'm like, hey, can you help? We're running out of time. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you do a lots, lots of rounds of editing. But, and you also personally offer editing services, is that correct? Um, mm-hmm. um, as, so w- as well I, as your publishing house? Yeah, um, so people can hire me or we have a handful of editors on our team they can hire like through us that they can do that as well um, okay I'm, I like feel like I just want to pick your brain on all of this I have like right. a secret desire to have a publishing house someday so <laughs> <laughs> did you um like did you start an LLC like how did you like go about even just the structural or business side of this do you, was that familiar to you or did you have to like kind of stumble your way through it um that's the hardest part honestly yeah. um we mm-hmm. don't have an LLC yet but I'm hoping to, well, planning to before we publish our first book that's not an anthology. But yeah, that honestly is the the hardest. I've been kind of ignoring it for a little bit because this is scary. I'm sure it's not as bad as I think it is. But yeah, all the legal, that's the stuff that I'm yeah. not as good at. I need to get better at that. <laughs> that stuff's so overwhelming. Like just, I've just been starting yeah. to kind of look into some of that and it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> And how about marketing? Like, do you do all that yourself? Do you, um, like, did you do a bunch of research on that? How do you, how have you gone about that? Um, our biggest marketing has honestly been Instagram. That's where most mm-hmm. of our sales have been from. So a lot of it was just 
yeah and it, it, well so i feel like we have a little bit of a cheat because we have so many authors in the anthology. yeah sure you can mm-hmm. kind of pull people. from all of their followers and yeah. yeah so i'm like as soon as we do our first novel i'm like um can you all promote mine too <laughs> so but that's yeah and then we actually so we have an intern now and she's been helping with a lot of that too she does a lot of our instagram posts now mm-hmm. Um, which I was a little hesitant to give up because like, I, but I like doing them. And now that she's doing them, I'm like, oh my word, I don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. But then like every month we try to like look at different places to do marketing. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite one that she's told me about is Book Raid. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that. No. Um, it's for eBooks um, and you, they like have a, as far as I understand, they have a newsletter that like they send out every day or something. Um, oh. So you put your ebook on discount. And the thing I love about it is you don't have to pay for anything unless people buy the book. So for like each book that's bought, then you they pay. get a small percentage or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Since you're not losing money on something that you might, might or might not make money on. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we've done that a few times. It doesn't do like crazy amount but I'm like hey that's four dollars yeah. last month so <laughs> that's interesting well and you mentioned too that you guys are thinking about starting to do full novels yes like, do you want to talk a little bit about that process or what you led you to want to do that well once the publishing I was like oh I'm liking this our uh dream was never to actually do anthologies <laughs> Like, that was not the goal. And the goal was to do novels once we decided, like, oh, yeah, we like this publishing. But then the anthologies kept happening. And we're like, well, we have to finish this, like, little series. And we have to finish that one. And then this other idea. Um, <laughs> so the main goal is novels. And I'm kind of trying to, like, slowly phase out on the anthologies because they're fun, but they're very time-consuming and take away from the, the novel time. So, but our first full novel, unless something crazy happens between now and December, um, will be my book, uh, Thorn Tower. And then we have one novella that hasn't been announced yet um, (laughs) (laughs) that signed on. And then we have like two other authors that are doing their own like short story collection, but it's, they're all like stories that are related. And then we're hoping actually in the next few months to open uh for quarries for actual full-length novels so that'll be fun but we can't really publish in those until like 2026 because we're that far planned out um yeah. so but i'm like i'm actually love the idea of opening quarries now and then be like great now we have like three years to edit your book <laughs> yeah. well and that's not uncommon for publishing yeah. houses to have a, a yeah. lead time like that like that's pretty normal yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of compared to a lot of other small indie, they tend to do them fast. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't really want to do that because I want them to be as good as possible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, and I also, if, if you don't mind uh, talking about the covers of your your books, because um, I do love them. I think that they're very <laughs> visually stunning. I was, and I love a good cover. So I was wondering if you wanted to talk about like this, the story of how those covers get created. Do you design them? Does someone else in house? How, how do you approach that? Yeah, so actually most of them are pre-made covers. Um, so for each of our, so our main anthology collection is the black and gold anthology mm-hmm. anthologies, which is like the main ones that you see everywhere. 
for yeah. each single one of those we've used a different designer because the idea I wanted to like meet different designers and see mm, who yeah. I like to work with the best and stuff so each of them is a different one and all of them except one of them have been pre-made and usually we end up having them change stuff there's one mm-hmm. fool's honor they barely changed anything we had actually been staring at that for like months and be like we need this we don't know for what but are we? I was like I can't justify buying this without something <laughs> um yeah, so, and then um Wither and Bloom is our first uh custom made in that series but it's yeah so it's all been different designers and then actually let me see uh Sharper Than Thorns that cover designer they also did um The Never Tales Volume 2 which nobody's seen yet hasn't been released yet they're also doing my book cover. So they're probably my favorite, I want to say. And the the designer, it's JV Arts is the name of theirs. But I like theirs because they have, it's dangerous though, because they have new pre-made covers every month. Wow. And then they mm-hmm. have discounts like halfway, like in between of each month. So I do have a handful of covers that, that don't have <laughs> anything yet. And I was hoping like maybe someone will like, write a book that matches this cover (laughs) (laughs) I I was like they was too good to pass up um my favorite because they're I love the quality but they're also really easy to work with too um Mm, so that's also helped um and then the other one they did fool's honor was fantastical ink they're probably my second favorite um because they also have very stunning covers but they don't have as many pre-mades and I like seeing the (laughs) pre-mation yeah yeah but yeah, so custom I've done. So Thorn Towers are custom cover, but I, I prefer pre-mains because I'm not good at being like, this is what I want until I see it. I'm like, ah, mm. I need that. So actually Thorn Towers cover came about because they, JV Arts had a pre-made cover that I was like, this would be so perfect, except the settings wrong, but the mm. layout, like, everything's perfect about it. But I was like, I'm just going to get it anyway. Yeah. And then it was like, all right, so this doesn't quite fit, but it could fit a like different book in this series. So I had them do Thorn Towers cover like the same style based on nice. that. So yeah, so that's how that happened. And then the Tales of Many cover, I did that one myself on Canva, the little kids one. But that one was mostly a, a gift for my nieces and nephews. But I was like, if we're gonna do all this work, might as well publish it too. So love it. I think that's smart to kind of test out different, different people and get to see like kind of what you like and how different people work even and how, who you work with best. Right. That's great. Yeah. But we've, on the other hand, for our formatting, um, we did use someone for Red Darkness Fears when we started, but then we've been using Savannah Jazowski, that's how you say her name. She's done all of her interior formatting and then we redid with Darkness Fears and she did all of it. Um, she's been so great. I'm like, every time she's like, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. And I'm like, but what about my books? <laughs> yes. Formatting is one of those things that like, I don't even really think about. And then I'm like, oh, it just overwhelms me. So it's, I'm so glad there are people in the world who do that and do it well. Yeah, I don't know how like, I don't know how to go about doing the things, but I know when I see something that's wrong with it and yes. like what it should look like. Yes. Um, well, it's so, so important. Like you don't think about it as a reader, but when it's yeah. bad, you notice. Like, it's yes. Right, right. Or sometimes you're like, I don't know why I can't get into this book. And sometimes it's just the formatting. Yeah. Like, oh, if they had spaced yeah. it right, maybe you could read better. And then. 
Yeah, totally. Well, I I know that you've mentioned a lot of different things and provided you know a lot of different lessons learned throughout the process. Mm-hmm. But is there anything that if someone was wanting to get into writing or publishing or editing that you're like, oh, this is advice I would pass on or this is something I, I would want them to know? Mm, okay. So you said for writing, publishing and editing, because those are very different advice. Sorry, very different <laughs> things. I, I know. You can tackle <laughs> like, one or the other or all three. <laughs> that's exactly it. You can just ignore. Like, like. Um, yeah. Well, I guess this kind of works for all of them, but it's like doing your homework before you mm-hmm. actually like, do it, which I know for what darkness fears, it might not have seemed like it, but we were like before publishing, did so much research in like yeah. a month and then for editing too doing lots of mm-hmm. making sure that you actually know what, what advice you're giving but I I don't have like an English degree or anything either I just did a lot of I was like why am I going to go to school when all this information's online so <laughs> um so I did a lot of self-teaching for that yeah so for and then even for taking edits I think it's just being open to changes Mm-hmm. Um, and then often, so what, how I, as an, uh, author engage with an editor is usually actually, so my line editor, actually, I usually, cause he does like the suggestions where you can like accept it or decline it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I oftentimes I'll skim through and I'll just like accept everything almost, um, just cause I'm like, I know if I stare at this too long, I'm going to be like, no mine was better but then I go back and read it and I'm like I don't even know what I had before this sounds great (laughs) so yeah I think it's just being open to or and then there's sometimes you hope say something I'm like no you're crazy why would I put that but then I still have to stop like okay so clearly it came off wrong to him though so I don't like his suggestion but how can I make it say what I actually meant to say yeah so I guess just being for all of them being teachable and willing to learn (laughs) And, and don't get too angry at your editors because they're trying to help you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great advice. And as you were talking about the like editing resources, were there anything specific that you really thought was useful? I can't think of anything in particular. I think so. I actually went to a private Christian school for high school. Um, and we did too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So a lot of the, they were very heavy on writing in English. So I feel yeah. like I kind of yes. had equivalent to some college classes with that in high school. So my school was, <laughs> uh, I would say for more of like actual story structure, the, I think the masterclass videos were very helpful. And the big ones for that were, I think my husband and I watched both of them were uh, Neil Gaiman. And Dan Browns and mm-hmm. David Baldacci were three favorites for, for that. So yeah. definitely worth. Same. Those are my favorite masterclasses <laughs> too. They're so good. Kind of fans of mine. We're fans. That's actually how we started getting into Neil Gaiman. And they were like, huh, maybe we should read his books. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. But I believe we actually have once talked over um insta about Coraline like I remember talking back and forth about about that and which is such a great book (laughs) 
Well, Anne, thank you so much. I feel like this has been super interesting and just so fun to get to talk to you again <laughs> and, um, and just learn more about what you're doing. Can you tell us like what the next thing you're releasing then is? Um, so you just released Briars and Blood, like what's the next plan? Yeah. The next one is the Never Tales volume two. Awesome. Um, so yeah. be on the lookout for that. Go check out Anne Hill and 20 Hills Publishing. We will have links in the notes and just, we hope you enjoy checking out those, those stories because there's just so many great novellas and stories and, and poetry too in those collections. Yeah. And it's just been a joy to get to, to watch all of that come about in the last few years. <laughs> so we're excited to see what else you guys do next. And we're so glad that you joined us. Thank you. And for all of you listening, we hope that you keep reading and writing and being brave. Like I just love and how brave you were to just start this and go for that. So we hope that all of you listening do that too. Take that next step and put your voice on the world.